Eagles Entertainment. Anything that moves, I don't care who it is. Let's go. Give me everything you got. Play fast, play hard. Let's beat these boys tonight in their house. It's party time. It's party time. Let's go. Touchdown! You're listening to the Eagle Eye in the Sky podcast. Now here's your host, Brand Duffy. That's right, another week, and we're getting you ready for Eagles Cardinals as the Eagle Eye in the Sky podcast continues. I'm Fran Duffy, and as always, I think we've got a great show for you here on episode number 414. At the top of today's show, we've got three and out, where I chat with my friend Chris McPherson and take a look at the state of the Eagles heading into Sunday's matchup in the desert. What are the big topics surrounding this team right now? C-Mac and I get into it right at the top of the show. After that, we've got Chalk Talk, where Ben Fennell and I take a look at this matchup against Kyler Murray, J.J. Watt, and company through the lens of our show, Eagles game plan. We produce it every single week here for Eagles Entertainment, all with the goal of getting you ready for that upcoming matchup. Obviously, Eagles-Cardinals here in Week 5. Then, to close out the show in faux focus, I chat with a guy who follows the Cardinals very closely. That's Damian Parsons. You can check out his work over at the Draft Network covering the NFL Draft, but like I said, he's always got an eye on the Arizona Cardinals. We will dive into this matchup with Damian there and get into the enemy's point of view going into Sunday afternoon. Now, before we get there, I've got a couple segments I want to roll out for you. You may be sitting here and say, Fran, where is the episode with Greg Cosell this week? I did not get my Greg fix. So I want to apologize. We had some technical difficulties after the record. And due to my recording, my podcast and, and production schedule, we could not set a time to be able to record uh, again with Greg. So it was about six minutes in or so into that segment. We lost, that, lost Greg's mic. So all of that great analysis into the ether, never to be heard again. That said... I do have the first like six minutes or so where we talked about the Eagles' offensive performance against the Jacksonville Jaguars. I saved that clip. We've got it here for you. Let's go now uh, to an abbreviated version of Monday Night's Chalk Talk with Greg Cosell. All right, excited to uh, start our conversation for the Week 4 win over the Jacksonville Jaguars with my friend Greg Cosell from NFL Films. Greg, um, I don't know. Where do you want to start? you want to start offense? you want to start defense? Obviously, a lot to take away uh, from this performance. Yeah, um, I guess we can start offense. Okay. You know, right. especially since the offense probably due to weather yep. to some extent, obviously, was different. And the fact that um, Miles Sanders had the most carries in his uh, Eagles career yeah. uh, this past week. So maybe we can start with the offense. So I think when, you know, we talked about how good this Jacksonville defense was a week ago. You talked about this Eagles offense and said, like, have they become a passing team in this game? Due to the conditions, due to the defense, whatever all the whatever the reasons, mixed in, whatever the reasons, this team ran the ball extremely, <coughs> extremely well. well. Uh, Two hundred yards, um, over fifty carries, right around fifty carries, right? Uh, I mean, there's all kinds of numbers you can go through here, but uh, they ran the ball extremely well. Were there any takeaways just overall from watching the run game, just to kind of start the conversation off? Because there's a number of different ways I can go here. You there's, can go many different yes. ways, and and I just want to start with. Just from a personal standpoint, how much I enjoy watching two players on the offensive line. Lane Johnson and Jason Kelsey. Correct. Yeah, awesome. They were outstanding. Correct. Yes. I mean, when I did the deep dive on Jalen Hurts this summer, yep. you know, I had never really studied Lane Johnson in detail. You know, I mean, sure. I know he's a really good player. I came away this summer just thinking, Lane Johnson, if there's anybody who pass protects better than Lane Johnson at the right tackle position— I don't know who it could possibly be. Yep. I mean, he is just unbelievable. Um, and, you know, of course, he's very good in the run game as well. But in pass protection, he's just ridiculously good. And then in the run game, is there a better center than than Kelsey? I mean— He's a weapon. 
He absolutely is. Yeah, I mean, he, he is absolutely a weapon for them offensively. And there, are not, there are not a lot of offensive linemen in the NFL that you could say that about. No, he's – and he's so light on his feet. You know, that's the thing that amazes me because obviously the way he's built, he's short, he's stout. He doesn't look necessarily um, like he has an athletic body. And I know Jason, so I know he wouldn't mind me saying that. Right. But he is so light on his feet in the way in which he moves – it's it's really remarkable. I'm not just talking about when he gets outside, you know, on a pull or on a, on a screen. Um, and we'll discuss the screen because they ran the same play this week as Multiple they did times, last year. Yeah. Yes. Um, but even when he's working inside, and, and there were a couple of plays that really stood out to me where he had to get up to the even first level blocks where he needed a couple of steps to get into his block. He's just so light on his feet, Fran. Yeah, I, I mean, that's the thing is, you know, obviously the touchdown run uh, with what Jason Kelsey was able to do getting out in space, um, you know, you see, you see the way they're able to weaponize him uh, in the run game. He has some great blocks and pass protection as well. But, yep. um, yeah, I think when you look at uh, this offensive line, to me, and then just the rushing attack in general, what the Eagles did on Sunday was put on a clinic in the 11 personnel spread run game. Yeah, it's when you talk about like okay, uh, getting into box counts and say okay, well they're, they're lining up with <coughs> right. you know essentially four wide because not all these runs came with Dallas Goddard uh, attached. No, to the no, line. no. Um, so essentially four wide and saying okay, well they've got a six man box, we've got five blockers. How do we account for this six guy? They did it with motions. They did it with the QB run element. We did it with RPO. Uh, Devin Lloyd, they put him in a blender uh, in this game. I thought that he uh, he really, really struggled uh, to be able to get a bead on what exactly the Eagles were doing. Um, the Jaguars' defense, they matched 11 personnel with base personnel on a number of play, times, 22 yeah. plays uh, in this game on Sunday. And the Eagles consistently were still able to run the football. Um, and that that is that becomes an X's and O's and Jimmy's and Joe's conversation. Right, right, and that's right. what makes it so. That's why I kind of opened the conversation so open-ended because right. there are so many different ways you right, go about right. talking about it. You know, the 35-yard run by Sanders to me, and this could well be a film piece at some point in the matchup show, wh- that came um, against the 5-2 the reduced. So they were in base versus 11 yep. on that run, okay? And they had the 5-2 reduced front. So they had a zero technique and two three techniques. And to so me— So really tight. You had a bunch of big bodies, bodies tight inside the formation. Tight inside. And it was split flow inside zone, okay? Yep. And— Kelsey made an outstanding second-level block, but that was in tremendous coordination with what Sanders did because he took his initial path downhill, which brought Aluakun inside. It was outstanding. And then when Kelsey made his block, Aluakun, because he came inside, could not get to his gap. Yep. It was just the way that that played out with the path and the block by Kelsey was just beautiful to watch. I would I would argue that that was the best inside zone run for and it's split zone, but you know you know what I'm saying. Right. The best inside zone run in Miles Sanders' career. I, I thought that he pressed that. They so pressed perfectly. it so you're right. Uh, the way that he was able to mess with the play side backer and show, hey, I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna work inside, and as soon as that linebacker cheated, he, he jumps. But but he wouldn't have been able to do that without without Kelsey's no block. Absolutely. Because no Kelsey gave him the room to work behind him yep. after he took Aluakon into the wrong gap. Yeah, uh, and there were there were a couple of other plays as well. He had a, pl- a run in the third quarter that uh, Jackson, and that's what was almost demoralizing for Jacksonville because there were a number of plays, Greg, where I paused the film, you know, when Miles Sanders gets the ball or maybe after his, like, second step, I say, man, like, 
Jacksonville's got this right. pretty well, right, pretty, right, pretty right. well fit. Everybody's pressing the line of scrimmage. Guys are posted up well at the first level, and Miles was able to create. He had a, he had a really good day. I thought uh, at the end of the day when I watched this uh, when I watched this game well, back, I was pretty impressed. It's funny you say that. I said that Sanders one of his best games as an Eagle, running hard inside with decisiveness and competitiveness. But not only that, just the way he understood the, the run game concepts yeah. and how to use his path. To, to create conflict for second-level defenders. Yep. Hey, look, he had 27 carries in the game, so not not every single run was perfect. Well, but no, I thought on ne- the whole, that's not going to When you happen. run a lot, yes. that never happens. <laughs> exactly that's right. the, Of course. Uh, so, I, you know, 27 <laughs> runs, not everyone was perfect, but um, I, I thought there was a, a really strong performance from him. And then, uh, you know, we've talked about the offensive line already. I thought the receivers showed up in the run game a number of times. Zach Paschal, uh, Devontae Smith, Dallas Goddard. Right. Uh, all three of those guys really impacted the run game, I thought. So, um yeah, I mean, outside of that, like, I don't know what else there is to say. It was just a, a really well-orchestrated— Against a really good defense, that's by the, the thing, way. thing, is that this is a defense that let up, what was it, 52 yards a game on the ground right. the first three weeks. Uh, the Eagles ran for 112 in the first half and over 200 on the day. So And and this was not a big designed run day for Jalen Hurts. No. Yeah, run game, outstanding stuff, basically what you would expect. Pass game style. Um, yeah, Tight end screen has really become a really effective yeah. weapon. Uh, yeah. and it wasn't just the tackle power score. We saw that. Like we saw that in, in this game, game for and and um, I forget the the length of that play, but it was the same. It was play. like twenty six yards. Twenty six. Sure. It was yeah. the same. Same play. Same play as the touchdown from a week ago. Yep, the same play yeah. that got him in the end zone against uh, Washington. Uh, they ran it a couple times in this game, but we also saw like uh, from those bunch looks, those quick little like now screens, um, and we saw them do some stuff off of that as well, right. where uh, they faked the now screen and then hit AJ Brown on a slant route uh, on the back side of that. So again, just kind of sequencing things out, trying to find ways to get your playmakers the ball in space. No question. Um, no, I thought it was a really, really good. Um, Really good offensive performance, given the fact that the weather limited the the throwing you could do. Yep. Um, so no, I, I there's not a lot more to say. I mean, it was really, really good. Um, now let me ask you a question: the the Brown twenty two yards to start the third quarter. Yep. Remember the play? That was off the split zone action. Yes. Yeah. Did you think that was straight play action or an RPO? So Ben and I went back and forth on it because I went back and forth on it ten I, times. If, uh, I believe I ended up calling it an RPO. You did. Yes. See, here's here's why I thought it was straight play action. Okay. And I could be well wrong. Right. Because my sense was if it was an RPO, the reaction of Lloyd would have told Hertz to give the ball to Sanders. Got it. Interesting. Can you picture that in your yeah, mind? So typically what I'm <coughs> what I'll typically look for is I'll just look at the O line and say, like, is anybody pass setting here? Uh and it's like if, And if I think anybody, they were though. Yeah, I, I thought I thought I remember it being more of like, like a straight uh, You could be right. Yeah. If I'm I remember, trying to remember. Okay. Uh, and I don't remember exactly what Lloyd's action was, so we'll both have a, a little bit of Well he he widened actually he widened toward the toward Towards Brown. The throw, right. Hmm. So so, they, so what they would have had is they would have had the the numbers they wanted in the run game. Yep. Which is why I thought it was a straight play, but I don't know that. And that's what's, so like what's fascinating about that, and it goes back to what we were saying in the beginning in terms of uh, occupying those backside defenders. Right, right. You know, you and I are having trouble deciphering that, watching it from 3,000 feet uh, the day after. Imagine being Devin Lloyd in that situation saying, is this an RPO? Is right. Play action? I mean, is this a just run? like you, I'm sitting there with my cowboy remote in my office at NFL Films watching the play 15 times. Yeah. And I'm not sure. So if you're Lloyd, like you're, right, you're uh, literally right. like you're in a blender at that point. <coughs> right, there, there's right. so many things going through your mind right. about what this could be. Um, and there were there were plays where he was indecisive, and he uh, like he had an open path. Like if he had just gone, right. he would have made the play right. uh, on some of those runs from the backside. But you could see like the, the, some a couple stutter steps. And here you know and there, what? And it's his fourth game in the NFL against yep. a tough offense, and 
that happens. That's what, that's what happens, no doubt. Yeah. All right, so there's my chat with Greg. Now, again, apologize for not having that entire episode. Hopefully that's enough. We will have Greg next week breaking down this game against the Arizona Cardinals. Now, another piece that I do want to throw to, if you didn't see it, I had a film breakdown with Eagles safety Marcus Epps. It was a segment that went up last weekend on PhiladelphiaEagles.com and all of the Eagles digital channels. I got a chance to, to sit down with Marcus and just kind of go through his thought process going into year two and also break down some film with him, some of his highlights over the course of his career. We recorded it a couple weeks ago just on the eve of the season so uh, the film we break down is not from 2022 but he still kind of give you some insight into his thought process on plays how he's reading out some of the different things that are going through his mind pre-snap and post-snap why some of these plays came to be talked about year two going into uh, with Jonathan Gannon and that scheme so uh, a lot to take away I saved a couple clips that were audio friendly here for the podcast let's hear from Marcus Epps in my film recap with him from earlier this week Excited to welcome in Eagle safety, Marcus Epps. Marcus, what's it like going into year two uh, in this scheme with Jonathan Gannon? Uh, it's, it's good. I mean, I feel really comfortable. I feel like I, I know what's expected of me, um, kind of the ins and out of the defense and what other people in the defense are doing, not just myself. So feel really comfortable right now and excited for what this defense can accomplish. I mean, your athleticism was a big part of you when you came out of college. Uh, you talk about rangy plays like that. That certainly shows up. But also, uh, it gives you the coaching staff a lot of flexibility when it comes to disguise. And that was something we saw on this interception here against the Jets. And then the D-line does a good job, forces a bad ball. You know, I didn't really have to do much on this play. Sometimes sometimes the ball <laughs> just comes to you. Sometimes you're in the right spot, the ball just comes to you. So, yeah, just made a play there. But when it comes to disguise, is the, how much of that is practice? How much of that is, like, comfort within the scheme? Do you guys freelance that at all? Yeah, it's definitely a combination of things. Feeling comfortable in the scheme to where you know you can disguise this and get to your responsibility. Yep. And then um, – also, another thing is chemistry within the back end sure. to where, you know, we move off of each other. Um, we all know what we're doing. We can kind of play off of each other um, and make that look harder for the quarterback. Outstanding finish for the tackle here. Uh, when you reflect back on your career, uh, where do you feel like you've improved most uh, since you've arrived in the NFL? Honestly, for me, it's just been just comfortability of, you know, being at this level and getting to the point where I feel comfortable in, in my talent and in in knowing the schemes that I'm in and just knowing that I can go out there and play free and just go make plays, really. Um, not out there thinking. When you think too much, then you don't really make a lot of plays and you're just playing to not mess up instead of just playing to go make plays. So. Sure. Has there been a vet that was a guy that you especially leaned on uh, early in your career? Yeah, definitely. I was really fortunate to be around a lot of good safeties uh, early in my career, um, you know, starting off with Harrison and Ann in Minnesota and then coming here with Malcolm and Rod um, here, but you know, definitely, I would say if I had to choose one guy, I'd definitely be Rod. That's the guy I spent the most time with, sure. um, talked to the most, and he's you know he's one guy who always was ready to help out, never withheld information. So appreciative to him for that. When you talk about taking angles downhill, do you feel like that's something that's natural uh, for safety? Do you feel like that's something you got better at throughout the course of your career? Uh, I definitely think it's something you get better at because you work you know you work at it in practice every yeah. day. You get those. You know, for me, those type of plays, the best way to get better at it is to do it in practice. You know, every time if the running back breaks or the running back's running through, work those angles and you'll just continually get a better feel for it. What's your favorite part of playing safety? Uh, everything. And I like I just love how, how versatile the position is, uh, being able to cover and also come down the box and hit people. So especially in this defense. Right. I mean, I know yeah. JG asked you guys to be really multidimensional, a big part of what they do yes, there on the back end. Yes, sir. Absolutely. Got to be able to do it all in this defense. And you know that's kind of where the NFL is going to right now with how much the offenses are spreading out and passing the ball. You know, you got to be able to do both. 
All right, so one more segment that I want to throw to uh, here before we actually start the show. I caught up on Eagles game plan this week with Eagles defensive end and outside linebackers coach Jeremiah Washburn. Obviously a big week from Hassan Reddick, the NFC Defensive Player of the Week. But uh, we also talked through just the rest of the defensive line and the success that they are having uh, these last couple of weeks. So talked with Coach Washburn uh, about a number of things. Make sure you go check out the full segment. But I saved some bites here for you. Here it is now. This is tape study on Eagles game plan. Coach, uh, nine sacks a couple weeks ago, five turnovers for the defense this past Sunday against Jacksonville. What's going? What's in the water here at the Novacare Complex defensively? Got to be happy with what you've seen the last couple weeks. Yeah, the guys are playing hard. You know, it's, it's, it has been a, a good amount of success uh, the last two weeks, and and you know, production comes in bunches, and it's it, it has been these last two weeks. So those guys off the left side, like you said, the man side of the protection, they're able to force the quarterback off their spot. And then I just love the urgency here from Fletcher, just kind of chasing this in pursuit. Yeah, we call it a GPS. He kind of has a feel for where the quarterback is. He can he can see through the blocker to the ball, and, and uh, he's always had that feel. And this went down for a team sack uh, right here, but it was certainly caused in large part by the two uh, rushes on the man side. I feel like, like you said, over the course of their career here, you know, when you look at Fletcher Cox, Brandon Graham, the guys have been in this room for 10-plus years years everybody every single week is playing with so much urgency the motor out to the sideline is that something that they talk about or is that just kind of ingrained at this point all the young players have to adjust that's a great question it it is what they do here and and uh, you inherit that here in Philadelphia with especially the defensive front and and so um, these guys were like this before we got here and, and I imagine they'll be like that after we leave uh, on a play like this, when Hassan feels this pull or come, well, what is kind of the coaching point there? Does he have to meet this as deep into the backfield as possible? Yeah, uh, he does. Yeah, you you said it, Fran, so you could coach him on that one. <laughs> yeah, that's it. But, you know, the front side is, is great. And and I, Jim Caldwell used to say this guy, or the head coach in Detroit when I was there, was, you know, front side wins games and backside wins championships. And, and so those two guys on the backside did a great job of squeezing that. We saw Jordan Davis uh, make his first TFL of the season here in this game. What have you seen from the rookie first-round pick? Yeah, he's working really hard with Coach Rocker, um, as are those, you know, all the young guys in that room. But um, he's been really diligent in the meeting room and then before and after practice, the things you don't see. He's worked really hard with Coach Rock. Coach, I know you spent a lot of time around the AFC South. I remember Dwight Freeney and Robert Mathis, known for their speed, 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 but those low side rushes, the, the spin moves, those speed-to-power rushes work so well. Is that something that Hassan kind of has in his favor, knowing, hey, I can win with speed, but the offensive tackles are worried about it as well, and I've got that as a change-up yeah, in my back Yeah, does. Pocket. He is. He's fully aware of how people view, view him, and so... Uh, hopefully he can use as uh, for his advantage uh, going forward. And not deeper than the quarterback on this run. Is this something that you feel like guys can learn, or do you feel like that's just kind of a, uh, an ingrained quality, his ability to just kind of take a swipe here at the ball? Yeah, I mean, it, it's both. It's both. It's something we talk about here, but um, I think he's he's got tremendous instincts for where the quarterback is. And again, for that whole segment, be sure to watch the entire Eagles game plan show or check out Tape Study, which will go out on Fridays on PhiladelphiaEagles.com, the app, and social media channels. Now, uh, let's get the show started, shall we? Officially, let's, uh, let's get to three and out. It's time now for my chat with Chris McPherson. How about this for a start? They got him again! What a defensive stop. Slay's second pick of the game. Oh, I'm going to have to call him big play. And this defense does the job. One, two, three, and out. 
All right, let's transition now into three and out as I welcome in Chris McPherson and C-Mac. Uh, big, big game here for the Eagles going out to the desert, Huge. a place where they have not had success uh, in the last, what, decade plus. Uh, when was the last win out in, uh, in Arizona? I think uh, it was, not at the stadium. I, think, I was going to say, I'm pretty sure it was 2001. Ooh, Jake Plummer? Before that, yeah. I was, or you're, you're probably right. I just know that they've never won in Glendale. Yeah. 0-5, uh, including the NFC Championship game lost yep. 2008 season. So it's it's time to exercise some of those demons. But what, once again, before I even get into my segment here, you're already pulling out some of the uh, facts I want oh, to bring up go. on. So. Sorry about that. All right. Well, what's uh, what's, what's uh, item number one for you? Item number one. All right. Let's go back to this past Sunday in Philadelphia. Okay. South Philadelphia, rainy as can be, okay? Now, you were here. We're, we're actually recording this on Wednesday inside the Novacare Complex studio where you host the kickoff show, post-game show presented by Rico just down the hall. I was in the press box. We were staying nice and dry. Obviously, torrential rain impacting the game at Lincoln Financial Field, but all that rain seemed to fertilize the second-half offense as the Eagles got nine fourth-quarter points, their first points in that quarter all season long. So they got off the schneid there. And you've been around the team for – you've been covering this team for over a decade. I've been here a little bit longer than that. Yep. The challenge becomes when you're talking about something in week one, then you start talking about it in week four and week seven and week eight, guess what? You're probably not going to fix that problem during the season. That's probably something just tangibly wrong – that the personnel, the coaching, whatever it is, it's not going to be fixed for that year. Okay, so you're glad to get off the schneid. Now, with that being said, let's transition to this week's opponent, the Arizona Cardinals. They're having a little bit of a scoring drought in the desert, especially in the first quarter of games. Okay, they have not scored a single point in the first quarter of any game this season. Okay, we look at the Eagles flying high in the first half of games leading the league in first half scoring 23 points per game that's per game the cardinals have 16 16 total points in the first half all year so can the cardinals lean on the defense well the cardinals are allowing a league worst 16 and a half points in the first half of games this season so obviously going to be a loud crowd they're playing in that dome in arizona the eagles if they can get off to a fast start take the crowd out of it Really put the pressure and get the Cardinals into that situation where, uh-oh, here we go once again. Cardinals were able to overcome it last week against Carolina. Eagles, a little bit of a different animal here. Yeah, I think that that's one of those things when you when you look at matchups going in is like the this is how uh, a lot of things work out in the desert is try to yeah. find out where are the situations that uh, teams can have a, a real distinct advantage that people don't think about and so that's why I'm I'm glad that you brought this up because the Eagles have been the best first half team in football and the Cardinals have been the worst uh, first half yeah. team in football and that certainly can be a distinct advantage for the Eagles if that follows through now Correct. now that's why you got to go out and and follow through uh, on that if the Eagles can come out start fast this game that has been a winning formula for this team for the better part of the season right has been come out throw early get up on teams let the defensive line tee off in the second half you run the ball to to salt the game away that has been a winning formula so now it's about carrying that through into week five all right so transition let's go into the execution part of it okay ran some stats by you there but how will this happen how can the eagles follow through as you said so point number two here i want to look at which quarterback, close friend, best friend, wide receiver duo will have the better outing this mm. Sunday. And 
you know, some comparisons between Jalen Hurts and Kyler Murray. They both transferred to Oklahoma from SEC schools. We remember Hurts came in second in the Heisman the year after Kyler Murray won it. In fact, they're the only players in Oklahoma history with 300-plus passing yards and 100-plus rushing yards in a single game. So getting into the best friend aspect, okay, Jalen Hurts and A.J. Brown, they have absolutely thrived this year. Brown is third in the NFL with 404 receiving yards, averaging 16.2 yards per catch. We've made the T.O. comparisons before. You know, T.O. was absolute, an absolute monster during his time here, 2004-2005. Well, Brown is the first eagle with 25 catches, 400 yards through the first four games of a season since T.O. in 2005, okay? Now, the Cardinals also use a first-round pick to get wide receiver former Raven Marquise Brown, close friend of Kyler Murray's from Oklahoma. He's done quite well himself. 30 catches, 339 yards, two touchdowns. Brown's yards per catch numbers aren't as big as A.J. Brown's, but there are only two players in the league with four more than four receptions of 20-plus air yards that what Brown has this season, okay? Now, here's where some of the differences come into play, and I'm going to look at Kyler Murray here specifically. His passer rating, okay, and I don't, I don't know if you've seen this on film, but when Kyler Murray is pressured, facing the blitz, when he's pressured, his passer rating is 74.9 points worse. Let me run this by again. When Kyler Murray is under pressure, when he's facing the pressure this season, his passer rating is 74.9 points worse. Aaron Rodgers is the only quarterback who actually has a worse differential going from pressure versus non-pressure. Mm. Uh, that's according to NFL Next Gen Stats. So you look coming to this matchup here, you have Hassan Reddick, the reigning NFC Defensive Player of the Week. Oh, by the way. Former Cardinal. Oh, by yeah, the way, former right. first-round pick of the Cardinals yep. in 2017. Um he was tied for PFF's highest-grade defensive player this past week, along with winning the uh, league honor to keep the streak alive for the Eagles. First player in 17 years since Jared Allen, 2005, to have at least two sacks, two forced fumbles, and two fumble recoveries in a game. Now, one player says to watch, again, recording on Wednesday, is Darius Slay. We don't know if he's going to be able to play after coming up early in the win over the Jaguars. But you look at the Eagles – First in the league in completion percentage on defense, second in passing yards per attempt, second in opposing passer rating, and first in sacks. Whereas the Cardinals are the worst cover grade team, according to Pro Football Focus, 25th in completion percentage, 24th in passing yards per attempt, and 26th in opponent passer rating. So as I look at which quarterback wide receiver duo is going to do better, obviously the defense is huge swings from one end to the other here. Yeah, I think the the big thing, you know, just watching this Cardinals offense over the course of the season, when the season started, you know, Rondell Moore was out with the, the hamstring injury. Mm-hmm. So uh, early on, Greg Dortch was the guy playing that Rondell Moore role. And the first two weeks, they were just feeding him targets. And it was like, all right, at the end of the day, and they were struggling on offense. I think they kind of had a, a kumbaya in between those, in between week two and week three, and we're like, all right, we actually we, we have to figure this out to get Marquise Brown, who we traded a first round pick for, like you said, find ways to get him the ball. The last two weeks, twenty eight targets in those two weeks, twenty wow. catches. He's had thirty nine in the last three weeks, so they are funneling Marquise Brown with targets. So that, that is certainly a guy that the Eagles are going to have to worry about in this game in terms of volume of, of pass targets. And I think when you look at how they're getting him those balls. It's not 
how Marquise Brown was used in Baltimore, where it was bombs away, Lamar Jackson going over the top. Uh, this team has not been attacking downfield at all. They're 32nd in the league in explosive pass play percentage, uh, which is crazy considering the amount of speed they have on offense. They, that's just not the way that they function. So uh, a lot of what you've seen with Marquise Brown, it's been a lot of wide receiver screens. It's been a lot of free access where the, the, the opposing corner is playing off coverage and then just running quick little speed outs and some in cuts. Um, they, they've done some things with moving him around and trying to attack uh, different areas of middle zone coverage. It's a play that we broke down this week on Eagles game plan Flex. with Greg Cosell, where uh, you kind of see you know the, them trying to trying to do that here in the middle of the field, and I think that's you'll see some of that in this game. But uh, absolutely, when you look at that connection between Kyler Murray and Marquise Brown, it's part of the game plan, and certainly the, the comfort level is there between those two players. Uh, that's it. I mean, the the efficiency and the explosiveness is definitely on the Eagles side of that ledger. So I talked about how good the Eagles defense has been in the secondary covering opposing receivers, you know, de- handling opposing passing games this season. One thing to watch for, this is my third item here, one thing to watch for with the Eagles in terms of how the Cardinals could win this game. We don't quite know yet what the offensive line is going to be. Okay, Jordan Mailata came out of the game on Sunday with a shoulder injury. Jack Driscoll came in, acclimated himself well, hunkered down, and Jason Kelsey said he should have been the player of the game mm because of the way the offense was able to continue to run, even though Driscoll was just thrown in there at a left tackle. Oh, by the way, Isaac Sayamalo came out of the game late with the ankle injury at right guard. Suo Petta, who has experience starting and has filled in in the past, still, you may not have all five guys come Sunday. Okay, so I mentioned you know, how poor the Cardinals' uh, defensive numbers have been. I left one out in particular they're dead last in sacks as well. So even though they're in top three in blitz percentage, that's what I, yeah. that's what I'm getting to. So defensive coordinator Vance Joseph, okay, he's been bringing the house. The Cardinals blitz with the most frequency of any team in the league, 39.5 percent of all plays. The Lions, because we talked a lot after Week One about how Aaron Glenn, the Lions' defensive coordinator, threw everything at Jalen Hurts. Well, the Lions are eighth in this category. Uh, For comparison, the Eagles are right in the middle, 17th, 24.4% of the time. Now, in terms of past blitzing, the Cardinals are second to the Giants. The Lions are sixth. So when you factor in the ways that the the Cardinals are going to try to create pressure, they're obviously going to send extra men. Now, they haven't done a lot with the secondary. They have only six blitzes this season involving the secondary. Three of those were against Patrick Mahomes because if you go back to the eagle eye following that win over the Lions week one, we talked about the most blitz quarterbacks in week one were Patrick Mahomes and Jalen Hurts. Hurts was against the Lions. Patrick Mahomes was against this Cardinals team. So we've seen defenses throw everything at Jalen Hurts. He's been able to overcome it. You're not going to have the weather factoring into this matchup, so it'll be interesting to see especially going back to a place where Jalen Hurts was young in his starting career, his second career start, first start on the road. He was outstanding, though, trying to bring him back from behind, put up some gaudy offensive numbers, but such a much more complete quarterback that we see now. What will the Cardinals try to do, knowing that they pretty much have to pressure to do everything to get you know opposing offenses off kilter? And also, probably in the back of Vance Joseph's mind, Okay, what if the offense struggles out of the gate again and we're once again saddled with a deficit? And that's the, when I look back. I, I know on the uh, the post game show this week, after I had done my uh, my initial work on the Cardinals, uh, you know, I was asked, all right, what, what are they going to bring to the table? Um, 
This is the the biggest screw it just blitz team in the NFL. Uh, I, I, that that's been their their mo the last couple of years. You mentioned what they did week one against Patrick Mahomes last year. No one blitzed Patrick Mahomes because he was so lethal against extra pressure. They came out week one and said, "Yeah, let's throw the kitchen sink at him." It didn't go well, uh, and I and that's been the theme over the course of the season. You talked about the pressure numbers, but even when you look at all right, well, how are teams doing against the blitz? They're 29th right now in explosive pass percentage, and they're 31st in yards after catch per reception. They are burning the blitz right now. Uh, opposing offenses going up against this Cardinals defense. Now, will they will they continue to do it? Uh, that's going to be the big thing. I think what's the big difference between Week One and Week Five when you look at the way that Detroit blitzed a lot of their blitz were man coverage blitzes. So mm-hmm. uh, cover one or cover zero where it's man-to-man coverage and you're sending extra defenders at the quarterback. And Jalen Hurts had a lot of real estate to be able to work with. All the defenders in coverage, they, they're worried about their man. Against Arizona, a lot of their blitzes, they are of the zone variety. So that's a lot of three under three deep, eyes forward on the quarterback. You're, you're hoping that, hey, there's going to be a quick throw and we're going to be able to, to try and pick this off and create a turnover. That also plays into the fact that against a running quarterback, there's going to be eyes uh, in the backfield. And so, um, to me, I think it's going to be fascinating to see how uh, – because I'm going to assume that the Cardinals, they're, going to, they're not changing this game plan. They're, yeah. they're going to pressure Jalen Hurts. They're going to send – and, you know, it's – it could be DBs, it could be it's corners, safeties, nickels, linebackers, uh, equipment staff, trainers, video guys <laughs> up in the booth. Like everybody's on the table as a potential blitzer in this game. There's going to be the, the popcorn guys coming out of the out of uh, you know section 202. Everybody's involved with this pressure package. Um, but it, so it'll be look at the big at the end of the day. This is like yeah, Jalen Hurts understanding where your hot routes are, not being fooled by the disguise coverage. Jason Kelsey making sure protection is all in That's order. The, the running the running backs obviously continue to be involved. Kenny. Gainwell, the primary pass protection back for the Eagles at this point. So I think when you look at uh, this offense, this pass game going up against that pressure scheme, that's the big thing to watch. So here's how important it is for the Eagles to come out with a win on Sunday. Obviously, they will want to improve to 5-0. and Carl's were actually the last undefeated team, believe it or not, last in year. 2021. Yeah. So just a year ago. And Kyler Murray was the pronounced, like he's, he's the MVP he favorite. He was the guy, yeah. yes. A year ago, that was where this team was. So just shy of 90% of the time, Teams that have started 5 and 0 since 1990 have made the playoffs. It's just a shade under 75% where those teams have won the division. Mm. Okay? And obviously, not to look ahead, big primetime matchup on the horizon with the Dallas Cowboys. Sure. But obviously, big big game, Cardinals are 2 and 2, okay? As much as we talk about all these stats and things haven't gone well, they're 2 and 2 and the entire NFC West is 2 and 2. So they've got a ton to play for. Eagles with all the teams that are at least Three and one, they're trying to make sure they keep pace going to that big matchup with Dallas. Yeah, it's uh, it's going to be a big one uh, out here in against Arizona. Take care of business there, and then you uh, you go into this the Dallas game uh, undefeated. C Mac, you and I will be together next week to continue break, breaking this down. Thanks again for joining us here for Three and Out. Let's get down to business. It's time for Chalk Talk. All right, great stuff there from C-Mac once again. Let's now get into Chalk Talk with Ben Fennell as we get ready for this Eagles-Cardinals matchup. And Ben, uh, putting the other Eagles game plan this week, plenty to talk about here on both sides. And since we didn't have the full Greg Cosell episode, we can dive a little bit into what we saw from the film um, from the Eagles win over the Jaguars in this segment as well. But uh, I guess starting the show, it hard not to start with the Eagles run game. Miles Sanders, uh, a career day for him. 200 yards, total r- uh, rushing from the Eagles offense here uh, in this game. And the big thing that stood 
stood out to you and I, just how they handled uh, heavier boxes from the Jaguars and being able to leave defenders unblocked on the backside. Well, teams are absolutely gearing up to stop this rushing attack by the Philadelphia Eagles. That doesn't mean that you still can't be successful in running the ball. And I think we saw a great marriage of talent and scheme on Sunday to not only feature Jalen Hurts' running ability, his rushing threat, but Miles Sanders, the diverse blocking scheme up front, and handling the extra bodies in the box that the Jags threw down there, which is absolutely appropriate and absolutely will be seen for the rest of the season as priority number one is stop this Eagles rushing attack on every defensive room we're going to play. So you're going to face a lot of loaded boxes doesn't mean you still can't run the ball. So some great schematic elements, some great threats with Jalen Hurts and his run uh, ability and his run threat, uh, and just the Rolodex of offensive designs in the run game from uh, zone runs, stretch runs, perimeter runs, gap scheme runs, quarterback design runs, option runs, pistol runs, and then all the play action RPOs off of it. The whole machine was working on Sunday. That's the thing is you start putting those guys in such a bind. Devin Lloyd was in a blender the entire afternoon on Sunday, uh, the rookie linebacker, first-round pick. And I think when you look at, uh, you know, it's, it's something you and I, you know, we've spent a lot of time, hours and hours and hours watching film together over the years. We've done a number of segments on this podcast, and one resounding theme, I remember a couple off-seasons ago when we were diving into just watching other teams around the league and, and uh, schemes that were successful. What's one thing that always stood out about the best offenses? Great talent with great scheme. And when you have this Eagles offensive line, which, you know, man for man is just is the best in the NFL, and you pair that with that scheme and what they do to defenses on a philosophical standpoint with Jalen Hurts and the X factor he can be, uh, it's just it's, it's, a, it's a difficult beast to be able to stop as a defense. And it's a really good blend of people movers and brute strength, the size of, you know, Jordan Mulattas and Landon Dickerson's and Lane Johnson, and then the athleticism as well. So the, obviously the personnel up front gives you a lot of flexibility in what you can do. And believe me, Jeff Statlin gets every ounce out of the different schemes and the different abilities that his offensive linemen provide, not to mention incredible depth. You know, seeing Sue Opeta step in, seeing Jack Driscoll step in on the left side, you know, just speaks to the depth and the personnel that this uh, front office has supplied the team with. And then the coaching, you know, in camp and making sure these guys are ready to play. And then just the in-game preparation and being ready by the players. So just top to bottom organizationally to see on Sunday a game that wasn't all pretty. And I mean that a variety of different ways. You know, we had the injuries both sides of the ball. We were down two scores, and it wasn't pretty weather-wise. Weather, it was sloppy. Yeah. Sure. It was wet out there. It was nasty. To see all that adversity, not to mention an emotional game with Doug Peterson coming yep. back. A lot of things at play. I mean, essentially 85% of this roster played for Doug Peterson or was drafted by Doug Peterson. So a lot of different things at play on Sunday. Really impressive game to see them handle all that adversity in combination. So we started the show off talking about Eagles offense and then moving over uh, to the the blitzing scheme of the Arizona Cardinals. Really, there was nothing else to really kind of harp on. You couldn't talk about that defense with Greg Cosell without focusing in on how often they blitz. We talked about it in the last segment with Chris McPherson, but uh, a, a lot of different angles and depths with which they can, they can attack here this Eagles offense. 
offense. Yeah, you know, it seems like it's that kind of uh, same Cardinals pressure package scheme, you know, from Vance Joseph, who's seen the past few years. They want to get in the third and medium, third and long, and load up their defense with athletes everywhere. They have no problem putting five, six outside linebacker types across the line of scrimmage like we've seen in the past. Uh, you know, whether that's the Gardex of the world or Zayvon Collins or, you know, Devon Kennard and all these kind of outside linebacker types mixing in J.J. Watts and Zach Allens and some big guys too, Marcus Golden. But once they get in those situations, they want to dictate and confuse the offenses and just their pre-snap looks give you a lot to handle, a lot to think about. Mm. A lot of zone coverage on the back end, so you don't get a lot of, you know, turn and run guys. You get a lot of eyes in the backfield, which should be the recipe for a lot of defenses against Jalen Hurts. You cannot let him get outside the pocket and take off on third down, so the Cardinals confuse you pre-snap. A lot of post-snap movement, a lot of eyeballs in the backfield. That's going to be a dangerous recipe for Jalen Hurts to handle. Yeah, when you look at their blitzing scheme, I feel like that is the best thing that Isaiah Simmons can do at this point in his career is you just kind of pin his ears back and get after the quarterback from depth. Uh, it's been fascinating just to watch his usage over the first four weeks because week one against Kansas City, he was a prime player for them, played a ton of snaps, and he essentially turned into a big nickel. You know, They drafted him out of Clemson in the first round. They wanted him to be an off-ball linebacker. They groomed him to be kind of a stacked player. And while they used him in versatile ways as like a, a QB spy at times, it just kind of you know utilized his athleticism, they wanted him to develop into a stacked player. And that just hasn't worked over the last couple of years. So coming into this year, we heard that, okay, they're going to put him in space a little bit more often. He'll be more of a coverage player, a top-down defender. And week one, I mean, Kansas City, like – they matched him up against Travis Kelsey, didn't go well. They matched him up against receivers, didn't go well. Um, you know, so they're still trying to figure that out. Week two, week three, his snap percentage goes way, way down. Wasn't on the injury report. Only played in the teens in both of those games. And then in week four against Carolina the usage goes back up and he's used once again uh, as more essentially a big nickel that's what he is at this point he is a linebacker safety hybrid that is playing over the slot uh, and is going to match up against tight ends and against receivers you know I feel like Isaiah Simmons in his young career when he has to read things out and a lot of young players when you have to read read things out and essentially let's just talk about the human element of it when you have to think out there it slows down your ability to use that exciting athleticism, that explosiveness. So when he needs to read out routes against Travis Kelsey, and obviously he's in a matching, mirroring situation, when you're in coverage and man-to-man, you cannot just play fast and reckless. So I love seeing him kind of involved in some of the pressure schemes where he just go. Just hit it. Blitz from death. Buzz to your underneath landmark. Keep your eyes on the quarterback. Buzz or maybe spy the quarterback. Yep. Maybe just play off the back end as a center fielder. Give him a more of a defined skill set to use that incredible athleticism, incredible length, incredible uh, explosiveness. But if he has to think a lot out there, and this is the name of the game with a lot of young players, how do we tap into this overwhelming athleticism how can we make them play faster think less get the game to slow down all those kind of scouting and evaluation monikers you hear that's the name of the game and there is no formula or playbook for it that works for every player everybody is a unique situation I I believe it was his rookie year like the the first like splash game for him was against Carolina and Cam Newton and he was like a QB spy for the majority of that game kind of patrolling the middle of that defense and he made a number of plays kind of tracking Cam Newton sideline to sideline they haven't faced a quarterback yet that that was like the the game plan and I kind of wonder if that'll be the way they use him on Sunday do they kind of tailor make a a role for him uh, to be able to kind of control Jalen Hurts. Yeah, you know, not every big, long, athletic, hybrid safety turns into Derwin James in year one. Yeah. You know, I think the Ravens are figuring that that out with Kyle Hamilton right now. Right. How do we get him to play fast? 
How do we tap into what he does best as a young player? Sometimes that's a very focused skill set. We're going to just ask you to do one thing. Then we'll expand off of that. Sometimes you get a little excited to say, this guy can do everything for us. Suddenly you're asking him to do 100 things, and he's doing 100 things at a B-minus rate or a little bit 80% speed. So finding ways to tap into these young players' ability is a fascinating conversation. All right, let's get over to the the second block of the show where we're talking about Eagles defense against the Cardinals offense. And a lot of different ways we could have gone there with the the Eagles defense. And I wanted to just give some love to to Fletcher Cox, man, because he he is playing at such a high level. This is the best we've seen Fletcher, uh, in my opinion, in the last couple of years. He is firing off the football. He is playing through contact at a high level. Even if he's not the one, like, making the play, he is uh, shedding a block, and he is right there. Like, he he is just playing with so much urgency, run game, pass game, uh, really love what we're seeing from number 91 and uh Ike Reese did a great job breaking down uh, a big hit he had on Trevor Lawrence in this uh, in this show you know he had some young guys week one and week two faced a rookie faced a young backup there in Detroit then had some just veteran dogs the past two weeks had to face Trey Turner down in Washington free agent addition and then his old buddy Brandon Scherf yep. uh, there with Jacksonville who Trey Turner uh, ended up filling that spot but uh some veteran guys and just seeing Fletch just seems like there's this uh a new energy to him, a new pep in his step, playing very light off the ball, excellent run defender. Obviously, that philosophical chase the ball everywhere is still there with all 11 on the field, and that really starts and ends with Fletch. Mm. You still see that at this point in his career, which is really exciting. It's infectious. It sets the tone. When you're getting that type of play from your leaders, your veterans, your well, you know your your wise you know old types on the team, for lack of better words. That tells all the 23- and 24-year-olds, man, that's the standard. Yep, that's, that's what it. we have to live up to. So I think he's not only performing and showing, I think he's infectious to all the young guys around him. And that's the thing. It's like the fumble recovery he makes on the uh, the first Trevor Lawrence fumble, that, that fourth down play. Uh, that doesn't happen if he's not chasing that 100%. The, the, the violence and the urgency with which he puts his foot in the ground and chases Trevor Lawrence after moving him off his spot alongside Hassad Reddick, if he doesn't chase that immediately – Trevor Lawrence is recovering that ball, and I'm trying to remember exactly where that was, if it was past the line of scrimmage or not, so it might have been Eagles ball regardless, but either way, like that that's just a great example of the urgency that Fletcher Cox is playing with right now. He just he looks really, really good so far through four games. Um, ben, I know uh, we talked about Marquise Brown in the last segment, so I kind of gave my thoughts there just real quickly. We hit on him in the show as well. Thoughts on his usage and the impact he could have in this game, uh, catching passes from Kyler yeah, Murray. Yeah, pleasantly surprised with uh, his incorporation to that Cardinals offense this year more of a over-the-top speed threat, uh, you know, at Oklahoma and then his early time with the Ravens, really seeing a full receiver package and skill set from him, not only with his production, but how he's being used. He's winning some one-on-one situations with route running, you know, not just sheer speed. He's kind of breaking off routes, snapping in and out of breaks. Actually, some really nice contested catches as well, which I don't think we thought was going to be his, you know, bugaboo at 5'9", 170 pounds coming out of college. He's a guy that kind of wants to separate from you, but he's made some really nice plays on the ball. He looks very competitive out there, and this team is just dying to pair him with the DeAndre Hopkins because that's a pretty wicked one-two punch there so very impressed with Marquise Brown how he's being used a much more well-rounded receiver than I probably had anticipated um and I think uh you know whoever is over him in Arizona you know this week for us or for the Philadelphia Eagles is really going to have their hands full and not just a downtown Hollywood Brown type of presence you yep. got to cover him all over the field 
Uh, I know you've pulled a bunch of numbers uh, here for this game. I've got one that I, I touched on a little bit in the last segment with C-Mac, but uh, I'll let you kick things off. What's what's a stat that you feel like uh, stands out most to you? Well, I got a couple because this is a very interesting matchup. Both teams are unique. There's a lot of similarities with the, between the two teams as well. Um, both these teams obviously featuring a very high percentage of shotgun formations, number one and number two in the league, which shotgun, 11 personnel, get a lot of light boxes. Number one and number two, as far as blockers in the box in their run games. So you see a lot of 11 personnel when you get a lot of those light boxes and you get not a lot of defenders matching, a lot of run lanes and room to maneuver in these kind of spread-like offenses. The interesting thing as well with the Cardinals, you also think spread, you think multiple receivers, air raid, Cliff Kingsbury. They actually use multiple tight end sets on 47.1% of plays last week, including six snaps of 13 personnel. So that was the second highest multi-tight end usage in the Cliff Kingsbury era. Had to go back about three years since he's used that much. So saw a lot more Trey McBride, rookie Colorado State, season high 29 snaps. So a lot of him and Zach Ertz out there. Also Max Williams, three very capable tight ends in Arizona. Obviously no DeAndre Hopkins and no A.J. Green last Absolutely. week. Absolutely. So uh, they're, that, that they're ebbing the and flowing just yep. a little bit with personnel out there. So. Um, as much as you want to study their tendencies, they can go the other way too. And the thing with Kyler Murray, thrown for the second most yards under two and a half seconds. Balls, balls out fast. That's so we think yep. Kyler Murray running around, extending plays. We see the two-point conversion in Oakland or with the Las Vegas had a cover for six, seven, eight, nine seconds. He also gets the ball out really quick. Yep. A lot of quick perimeter shots, a lot of screens to the outside. So he's a guy that loves to get that ball out. Most completions as well under that time. So it's kind of a weird cat and mouse of tight coverage early, be ready, and then hold on for dear life when he wants to extend the play. Not a whole lot in that three to four second range. So kind of an interesting uh Interesting type of quarterback to have to go up against. We talked about last uh, in the last segment. They're thirty. They're last in the league in explosive pass percentage, but they're in the top five in screens, RPOs, empty like ball out. It's ball out fast situation. Yep. So, uh, and I think when you look at the air raid, that's that's typically been uh, the way that most offenses from that tree have operated. Is hey ball out fast, yards after catch. That's kind of what we're trying to generate there. Uh, and and they were uh, the certainly excited to get Rondo Moore back into the yep. lineup and start to work him. A couple shot plays as well. I know a little bit more dominated by those line of scrimmage catches took a couple deep shots to him last week so don't let him get loose yeah the big thing I hit on we talked about how often the Cardinals blitz and how teams have done a good job of kind of burning the blitz uh which just stands out is that they're second second in pressure uh, on passing downs so far through this uh first four games 32nd in pass percent or in sack percentage so last in sacks I think they only have like four sacks in four games but they're tw- not just that you know because sacks can be a finicky number as we know 25th in pressure. So that, that that's those blitzes just are not getting home so far this season. So something we'll see if the Eagles can take advantage of. Uh, last thing for you here, Ben, matchups that matter. Each of us can kind of pick up a matchup uh, that we think is most pivotal to decide in this game. And since I just wrapped talking about pressure, I'll, I'll kind of go, I'll go first here just because mine has, has something to do with it. You know, the offensive line, we don't know as we sit here on Wednesday afternoon uh, who's going to start here for the Eagles. Is Jordan Mailata going to be good to play? Is Isaac Samala going to be good to play? Both guys dinged up last week against Jacksonville. But what you've seen from the Arizona Cardinals, when they're not blitzing, if they're going to go with those four-man rushes, one thing that really stood out to me, they love those tilted fronts where you've got three guys to one side of the formation with one defensive lineman on the backside. And often when they have that one that, that front, the guy who is isolated, the guy who is on his own, is J.J. Watt. And what they're basically trying to get you to do is say, okay, you have a three-man side – 
We're typically running stunts on that three-man side, so you might want to have four offensive linemen slide that way. You're basically you're trying to dictate one-on-ones for JJ Watt, and so uh, if it's Jack Driscoll, if it's Sua Opeta, whoever it is, uh, they got to be ready for the potential for some one-on-ones there with JJ Watt. The Eagles have to be able to uh, kind of navigate the waters there if that's the case. And honestly, whether it's Driscoll or if it's Mylata, and I'm assuming he wouldn't be 100%. Something to watch there in this game. Yeah, and I'll flip it to the other side, other side of the ball. Fletcher Cox is going to face two. Uh, interior guys he's familiar with as well. Some giant cast-offs, Justin Pugh, Will Hernandez. Yeah. So some familiarity once again coming this week for Fletcher Cox or Javon Hargrave on the other side. Uh, and veteran Rodney Hudson in the middle of that offensive line. Really good player. Max Garcia did have to come in at left guard last week. A lot of veterans on this offensive line. The other matchup I'm really excited for, Hassan Reddick, Josh Sweat against Cliff Kingsbury. Mm. And what Ooh, I mean I like by this. that... Okay is they really challenged Brian Burns last week, and they left him unblocked quite a bit. Said, hey, we're going to zone read you. Hey, we're going to do a jet sweep and just leave you unblocked. Well, Brian Burns made all those plays. They really challenged him and said, I don't know if we can uh, block this guy. Let's not. We'll just read him. We'll option off of him and try to slow him down by making him think. See how this all comes full circle? Get defenders to think. You could typically slow him down a little bit. Well, that worked on the whiteboard. It didn't work on Sunday. So I want to see if they look at our defensive ends, our Sam linebackers, the Eagles Sam linebackers, the Eagles defensive ends in a similar fashion to say, hey, maybe we can slow down Hassan Reddick by making him think a little bit with some zone reads, maybe some jet sweeps, some end around action, some misdirection. Uh, And I'm glad we just squeezed in a little Hassan Reddick love in there because great season so far great obviously Sunday with his defensive player of the week award some great plays in the run game we know he can get after the quarterback also had some nice stunts in combination with Fletcher Cox out there so seeing the full package and repertoire from Hassan Reddick to your point, uh, Arizona third in the NFL right now with read option plays, you would expect, uh, yep. with, with Kyler Murray back there. Also leading the NFL in draw runs. And I do think that that's something you'll definitely see from this team. That I noticed like watching Arizona the first three, four weeks was, man, a lot of draws in this uh, with this team. And that the, the numbers kind of bear that out. What we're going to see with this Eagles defensive line, if they keep playing the way that they are, draws, screens, which, by the way, they're up there in screens as well, as we mentioned. Draws, screens, like trap plays, those quick-hitting plays, suck the defensive line up, and then bang them inside afterwards. And something for Eagles fans to maybe watch on Sunday when you're watching this game, note when this Eagles are in four-man fronts and five-man fronts. Mm. The four-man fronts typically track stance, single gap trying to get up the field. The five-man fronts will typically have some more posting up at the line of scrimmage. You'll see a little bit more Jordan Davis in there. So I think those draws and the screens – will work maybe against the four-man four man fronts, fronts yep. flying up the field. But you catch a five-man front, it's going to be big Jordan Davis sitting there controlling the center right there to take that draw coming past them. And that's what's fascinating when the Eagles decided, because there's the, the two different five-man fronts, right? You have the 5-2 where yes. that are in base, and, and then five, you have the 5-1-5 where you're going to have nickel, you're going to play with a little bit more speed, but you're still going to get those those two-gapping uh, you know, post-up techniques there from the defensive line. And so uh, the Eagles mixing things up from that standpoint, just kind of keeping offenses uh, on their toes. Jordan Davis, by the way, just a, a really impressive performance. His best game, I thought, as an Eagle on Sunday real yeah. quick. Co- collectively, those front guys, I mean, how many times we see the speed run Rushers kind of chase that quarterback or flush the quarterback into just a stout Fletcher Cox or yep. Jordan Davis sitting there, or Hargrave, and th- that's the the recipe of it that's all. It. And having these different schemes, the single gap schemes, the two gap schemes, the five man fronts, the blitzes, the four mans, this is the name of the game to say that you can be productive and threatening in a variety of ways. Because secondly, the second you get a, we have to lean on this to get it done. 
Well, offenses work for six days in figuring out what you do well. So the more things you do well, and this Eagles team right now is doing a lot of things well, should excite you. No, no question. Well, Ben, uh, appreciate you once again joining us here for the Eagle Eye in the Sky podcast. We will talk to you next week, uh, and obviously later this week as well. Journey of the Draft podcast. Make sure you subscribe wherever podcasts can be found. Ben and I talking through the top NFL draft prospects taking the field this Saturday. Go find the Journey of the Draft podcast. All right, so great stuff there from Ben, who you could follow on Twitter, just like I do, at BenFennel underscore NFL. And while you're at it, I'm at EaglesXOs. That's where I post all the podcasts I'm a part of and all of our X's Nose content that we produce here with Eagles Entertainment. You know how much I appreciate everybody that promotes this podcast on all forms of social media. That is one way to support the show. But the best way is to go on Apple Podcasts or Stitcher or Spotify. Leave us a rating. Leave us a comment. And if you've got a question, we will answer it here on an upcoming show. And I wanted to give a shout out to someone who did exactly that. Let's go over to Thumb D, who left a five-star review saying, uh, here's the, with this question, saying, my question is how the presence of high-level corners have impacted Jonathan Gannon's defensive schemes. I remember the days of Jim Johnson preaching the advantages of having lockdown corners. How has James, James Bradbury's presence alongside Slay and Maddox impacted this year's defensive call? So, uh, Thumb D, it's a, a great question. And I think when you look at, at James Bradbury and just having that quality level of corner play across the board for defense, that's obviously huge. You're talking about the the versatility uh, and the potential to really do a lot of different things, not just on the back end, but also the willingness to bring pressure. You, You feel if you have more confidence in your secondary to hold up, well, now you're saying, all right, we can send extra rushers at times if we want to. And so I think when you add in a player like James Bradbury, we already know what Darius Slay can be. Avante Maddox, I've said on this show over the course of the season that he has been outstanding. It was a loss, certainly not having him in there this past week against Jacksonville. But I think when you look at what Bradbury has done over the course of the first four games, and even honestly, like going back last year uh, and watching all of his film from a year ago, I know a lot of people said, oh, it was a down year. It wasn't the same kind of season that we've come to expect from James, James Bradbury was not as good as 2020, uh, his first year in New York. Look, all I'll tell you is what the film showed me, and he was outstanding, reading routes, breaking on throws, inter- intersecting uh, the catch point, and showing the ability to make plays on the football. And what have we seen this year? Him do exactly that. Uh, it was a heads-up play, the interception that he made uh, in the second half against Jacksonville this week in a, in a big, aggressive pressure look uh, from the Eagles' defense, and he's able to come through with an outstanding play on the football and a finish. When you have that level of corner play, and now, like I said, it gives you the ability to match up. The Eagles have not been afraid to put Brad Bradbury on tight ends at times on the backside of formations. We've seen that here this season. So I think when you have a corner like Bradbury, you put him next to Slay, you put him next to Maddox, you've got guys that can match up in a number of different ways in man, but also just another really heady, instinctive, ball-hawking type of corner in zone coverage, which is exactly what you're looking for. This secondary has so much versatility, and when you pair that with the multiplicity of the front, well, that's why this defense is having the level of success that they are so far here in 2022. So great stuff there from Thumb D. Thanks so much for uh, to you, and thank you to all of you out there uh, for your support over on Apple Podcasts and wherever you listen to our show. That said, let's wrap up this episode here of the Eagle Eye in the Sky podcast. We've got one more guest. We've got Faux Focus, Damian Parsons. Let's get to that segment right now. What's this matchup look like from the other side? Time to find out in full focus. All right, so joining us this week here for Faux Focus, Damian Parson. You can check him out on Twitter at DP underscore NFL. Obviously, his work over at the Draft Network speaks for itself. Damian, thanks so much for joining me, my man. Hey, thank you for, for, for the invite, Fran. I'm, I'm excited to talk well with you, man. 
Oh, well, I, obviously, look, this is a team in Arizona that I know you follow closely, and so I will ask you at the very top, uh, put on your uh, Cliff Kingsbury hat, one of the few uh, head coach and play co- or offensive coordinator titles. Uh, he doesn't have the OC title, I don't believe. There's a, a number of pass game coordinators and run game coordinators there uh, in the desert. But what is the biggest strength for this team offensively entering this matchup? What gives you, if you're Cliff, the, your, the most confidence in your ability to win this football game? Uh, the quick passing game, friend, and it's you know especially without having D Hop until week seven. Uh, you know your your receivers are you know Brown, Hollywood Brown, Marquise Brown, Greg Dortch, and Rondell Moore, and all those guys can create after the catch, and they're all explosive in their own right. So getting the ball out out of Kyler's hands quickly on the perimeter, the the mesh concepts, dump offs, as well as t- as uh, tight end Zach Ertz, who you paid, getting the ball out in, into his hands as well to just keep the offense in rhythm. Uh, find some consistency going. Um, this isn't a strong running team right now. Uh, so the quick passing game also works essentially as an extension to the run game. So protect Kyler, get the ball out quick, and try to stay ahead of the chains. Yeah, and there's obviously a lot there in terms of why that's been the way that they've leaned, right? The offensive line is certainly an issue. The run game, uh, especially James Conner getting hurt. It was a week two, I believe, he got dinged up. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so the, the injuries have mounted up. They've been rotating offensive linemen in and out. So uh, they're losing DeAndre Hopkins. The ball is coming out super, super fast. And Kyler, though, he still has that ability to beat you when he does hold on to the ball, run around, and create a play. It feels like that's been where their like biggest plays have come from in mm-hmm. the passing game. Just, uh, just watching these first four games, Damon, how do you kind of view Kyler Murray? Where do you see him at this point in his development? Obviously, he got the big contract this summer. Uh, do you still feel good about him as one of the like the top-end quarterbacks in the NFL? I know it's been a little bit of a slow start here in 2022. Yeah, I, I still do, Fran. And like you talked about just a moment with the offensive line, like this this is an offense that Kyler Murray likes to take his deep shots. You know, you go back to last season, you see him, he, he'll scan you know, the, the the defense, find that one-on-one matchup that he likes, that he sees, like, okay, that's safety shaded. I got A.J. Green one-on-one with a second or even third or maybe fourth corner, depending on the alignment. I'm going to go take my shot with him. But this season, because of the offensive line, no D-hop, A.J. Green's down, like just the – there's a lot of negative things that have happened for this offense. He hasn't even been able to take the shots downfield like he's used to. Yeah. And that's really what helps that that offense. And then, you know, of course, his legs make such a big difference. So I think uh, for me, he's still one of the top-end quarterbacks. It's just now let's get guys healthy. Let's, you know, get D-Hop back off suspension. Let's see what happens. All right, well, let's go to the uh, defensive side of the football. I'll ask you to put on your Vance Joseph hat. Biggest strength for this team on defense. What gives you the most confidence in your ability to win this game if you're Vance Joseph? I think it's the front seven right now, and I'm going to drop three names, J.J. Watt, Zach Allen, and Zayvon Collins. Zayvon Collins has played better over the past couple weeks, uh, getting settled in at the linebacker position uh, where he can just kind of develop instead of moving him around like they tried to do last year, putting him on the edge and different things like that. Now just pigeonholing him at his position, you see the the quicker diagnosing ability to diagnose run versus pass and just – playing and reacting rather than thinking so much because he was doing that a lot early in the season. Um, and then J.J. Watt, despite the health issues, you know, he was he missed uh, week one. And then before uh, this week's game, he talked about him having um, the issue with his heart that came up uh, via a scan. He's still playing good football, especially in the run game. And then Zach Allen, I remember hearing they talked about him uh, adding a little bit of muscle, getting stronger at the point of attack. And I've really liked what I saw, what I've seen from him. So uh, the, I think right now, ability to hold up, they're holding up pretty solid in the run game, and they're able to get some pressure that, without having a guy on the edge that they're that we're accustomed to, no Chandler Jones, no Hassan Reddick, no actual uh, 
bona fide pass rusher off the edges, they're still able to get back there uh, at a decent clip to uh, disrupt quarterbacks. So two guys that you mentioned there, Zach Allen and uh, uh, and the the linebacker, uh, the first round pick from la- from last year. Both guys, honestly. Have really stood out. Zayvon Collins uh, both stood out to me uh, watching him on tape. I think Zach Allen has been their most consistently disruptive player. Obviously, J.J. Watt's been in and out uh, due to a calf injury, but I know Zach Allen winning inside and outside. Uh, he has done a really good job. And I, to me, honestly, I've seen more from Zayvon Collins this year ter- than I have from Isaiah Simmons uh, in terms right. of being able to play downhill, do linebacker things. Right? You talked about last year he was kind of a hybrid role. They were moving him around on defense, and they weren't sure exactly what to do with him. Uh, I've seen a lot more from Zayvon Collins here this year playing through traffic, finishing one-on-one, playing square to the line of scrimmage, defeating blocks. Uh, he obviously can contribute in coverage as well uh, and as a pass rusher in their pressure packages, but um, Zayvon Collins has really stood out. I do want to ask you kind of big picture, and obviously you always have, you always have uh, your eye on the NFL draft and player evaluation. When you're looking at this defense, and really look, this team on both sides, they clearly like the guys that have uh, kind of ambiguous proge- projections, right? Guys that are positionless and you know are hybrid players. And are they? Is yep. it a defensive end or is it an outside linebacker? Is it a linebacker or a safety? Is he a nickel or a safety? Is he a, uh, is he a, a right wide receiver or a running back? Right? They they love these players. They keep collecting them. Uh, we talked about Isaiah Simmons in the last segment with Ben. When you look at this defense, is that like is that like a strength that you have all of these hybrid players, or do you feel like it's a weakness? How do you think that that has played out over the last three, four, five years, and certainly here in twenty twenty two as well? Man, Fran, I think it's a weakness. Only reason why I feel like it's a weakness is just by the way that they've handled things. My, one of my biggest mantras for teams when we're in draft season is draft for the plan. Like if you 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 know what you're looking for, like if you're going to draft Isaiah Simmons, have that plan already. In your mind, all right, we, we're going to pigeonhole him. We're going to put him at linebacker, and we're going to develop him there, right? You remember, you know, Hassan Reddick is on the Eagles now, but when he was with, he, there was a very similar ish, issue when he was with the Cardinals. They didn't know where to put him, where where he was best played until like that final season or so. They're like, oh man, like you can get after the passer. It's like, yeah, that's my skill set. I can do different things, and that's when you saw Hassan Reddick really show his value in the league. And so for me, it's like you can have the the, the hybrids, but just have a plan for him, right? Like, know exactly what you want to do. I know Isaiah Simmons is a jack-of-all-trades guy. Well, you know what? That's how I'm going to play him from day one. I'm not going to tell him, hey, you got to learn how to play middle linebacker. You got to learn how to play edge. You know, because I think Isaiah Simmons even said in the interview how di- this offseason, how different it is reading how quickly you have to read playing on the edge on the on the defensive line than playing seven yards back as a overhang linebacker where it's like okay i got a little bit of time where i can read before making the decision when i'm on the line like i gotta make it quick because if not those blocks are up on me so i think it's a weakness just because i don't believe they've had a plan for when they've drafted these young men it's so funny like people don't necessarily think about just even just a small change in technique. I remember talking with Chris Long uh, on this podcast before, and he was like, uh, "I had so, it was such a an eye opening experience for me transitioning from a three point to a two point stance. And it was a positive for him. It was like, man, like I just see you see the whole field differently, and that's just like." Just standing up at the snap, not even like right. seeing it from a different depth or you know lining up inside and things happening faster. It's literally just how, how I see the field. So asking, saying a guy, okay, well, we're going to ask you to do something you have never done before, and you are going to do it on a full time basis. That that's a tough, that's tough sledding uh, for a young player. And so um, I, I agree, it's it's definitely uh, it's it's been mixed results uh, so far with a lot of these guys uh, out there in Arizona. Next question I've got for you: If you're Cliff Kingsbury going into this game. 
What's the biggest cause for concern? Where, where are you most worried uh, going into this matchup with the Eagles on either side of the football? Uh, for me, I, I think you stick with the offense. It's the offensive line, right? Like you talked about it earlier, protecting Kyler Murray, and, and and you understand going into this matchup. I've watched the Eagles on you know on Sundays, and I've watched their tape. This is one of the one of the better and and probably deeper rotations on the defensive line in the NFL. They got a, they have a lot of different bodies and body types and athleticism that they can throw at an offensive line. And this is a, a Cardinals offensive line that has struggled this year. Four in four games, 48 pressures, 39 hurries allowed. Uh, you know, and I think only three sacks, but that's mainly because Kyler Murray is a magician right. in the backfield. So it's like he's able to evade and ev- avoid a lot of those negative plays, but just him not being able to drop back and feel comfortable and dealing with, you know, like I said, Fletcher Cox and especially Jordan uh, Jordan Davis in the middle. And when they bring in, uh, I think it's Javon Hargrave and, of course, Sweat um, and uh, Hassan Reddick off the edge and Grant. It's just such a versatile group that you have to be weary of, okay, we got to get the ball out of our hands. Are we going to be able to run the ball? Are we going to be able to find some some consistency and some balance? And I don't know how that's going to work against this defensive front. So that's probably, if, if I'm Cliff Kingsbury, that's what I'm really sweating over heading into Sunday is how do we block these guys? How do we create advantageous angles for our offensive line to, to open up some, some plays in the run game? And then, of course, how do we just protect Kyler Murray? Last question for you, Damian. When you look at the most pivotal matchup, what do you think it is in your mind? What's the most important one-on-one here that could dictate the outcome of this game? Fran, I'm, I'm going to stick with the O-line, D-line, and I'm going to stick Kelvin Beecham versus Hassan Reddick when mm-hmm. Hassan Reddick comes in as a pass rusher. Kelvin Beecham alone has allowed 13 pressures, eight hurries, three QB sacks, and two three QB hits, and two sacks. Uh, he just has not been the kind of state, you know, uh, uh, steady Eddie that he's been throughout his career on the right side. And, you know, this is the last year of his contract. And I expect Josh Jones, when they drafted out of Houston, who looked phenomenal in the preseason, to probably take that spot next, uh, this offseason going into the next season. But if Kelvin Benjamin versus Hassan Reddick does not go in the Cardinals' favor and Hassan Reddick can win quick. And I mean, I don't, I don't know Hassan personally, but I know that he probably isn't too happy that the, the Cardinals who saw him take that leap for him did decide to give him a nice little payday a nice contract uh when he was getting into his uh free agency period and he had before he went to carolina i could see him kind of being a little up for this for this game in this matchup and kind of show them like you guys really missed out because you don't have me now so that's the matchup that i'm looking forward to seeing how it plays out because if beecham can hold up his own and hold up his end uh, I think Kyler can, you know, Kyler likes to move out of the pocket, move the launch point with his legs and things like that, and he loves to escape out the back door. Hassan Reddick is one of those rushers that can close that back door on him. Yeah, certainly. Uh, there's a lot of storylines in this game. The, you have the reunion, Zach Ertz uh, with the Eagles, but certainly mm-hmm. Reddick uh, and the Cardinals is a big one and will be spotlighted, I'm sure, by the broadcast crew on sa- on Sunday afternoon. Well, Damian, again, thanks so much for joining us here on the Eagle Eye in the Sky podcast. Great stuff uh, covering not just uh, the entire NFL, but the NFL draft over at the Draft Network. Thanks, man, and we will talk to you again soon. Yes, sir. Thank you. All right, so great stuff there from Damian Parson. And again, check out his work over at the Draft Network. Now, before we wrap up the show, you guys know we've teased it already a couple times here in this episode. I produce Eagles Game Plan every single week for PhiladelphiaEagles.com, the Eagles and Eagles Entertainment. If you want to check out uh, some, you know, the only Eagles X's and O's centric show, 
that I know that's out there, that's the place to do it. It goes up every single week on PhiladelphiaEagles.com. But not all of the analysis that we shoot every Tuesday and Wednesday makes it into the show. It's a 30-minute show. I shoot usually about 40 minutes of content. So we've got a lot of leftover stuff. Why not get it into the podcast here? That's exactly what I did for some more analysis of Eagles Cardinals. Here's John Clark, Ike Reese, Mike Quick, and Greg Cosell that, due to time constraints, couldn't squeeze it in, kept it all right here for you. I also want to give some love to Landon Dickerson. Big fella over there on the left side. Lost his tag team partner in Jordan Mylotta early in the game. But Landon held it down. He and Jack Driscoll over there. Great job on the left side. The big guys up front deserve a lot of credit for that run game. Yeah, Nick Sirianni says he trusts Jalen Hurts. But when you can run the RPOs, the zone read, all of that, and now Jalen Hurts is doing a good job of diagnosing things at the line of scrimmage, how can defenses defend that? Well, that's the key thing. You just said it. His ability to diagnose things at the line of scrimmage, it makes a huge difference. Jeff Stoutland, the offensive line coach, the run game coordinator, he has this things diagrammed so well that they can take apart defenses and take advantage of any weakness in the defense. And there's a weakness in every defense. And you can't minimize the importance of Jalen playing the point guard at this position because it's his decision-making in those situations that makes the coaches look smart, right? So when you have a quarterback that knows where to go with the football, whether it's the run or throwing the ball, and he makes the right decisions, it makes everyone look like geniuses out there. And it's the quarterback position playing at a high efficient level is why this team is 4-0 right now. And obviously Jalen's second year in this offense, he's got a lot of mental pictures of defenses and things that he's seeing. He's able to diagnose these things. But what about some of the disguises, the zone coverages that he's seeing? I don't think it's an issue for him at this point because he's seen enough. He's seen it all. And once you have that Rolodex, that history, and you have those mind pictures, you understand in a fraction of a second, you know exactly what your decision should be. And so he's there now. The progress that he's made in such a short period of time, it just blows me away. His ability to retain information and then the pre-snap recognition, understanding even if a team is trying to disguise a certain blitz or even a spy in coverage or what have you, his ability to dissect that quickly and then know what to do immediately after. You rarely see him put the ball in harm's way. And that's, that's a, to me, uh, an example of a quarterback that has full control and understanding of what he's doing out and there. And all of the layers of this offense. Yeah. This offense gives the quarterback so many options. Whatever the defense chooses to do, I can prove them wrong in what they choose to do as a quarterback because of all of the options. And it's numbers, right? Numbers. It's numbers. It's reading the numbers and nowhere to go away from the numbers. Fletcher Cox, I feel like, has been re-energized, he's rejuvenated, and he's playing some of his best football this year. Great talent around him, but that old dog can still hunt. It's great to see (laughs) Fletcher playing the way he used to play. Yeah, and they're talking so much about the offensive line. I'm glad you're talking about the D-line because they are playing outstanding football right now. And it's across the board. Look at Hargrave and what he's doing. Let me give a little bit of love to the rookie. Jordan Davis, he had a couple of snaps that were just amazing. He ripped the center one time and and makes a tackle for a loss. He's playing great football and across the board, as I said. This D-line quickly becoming one of the better D-lines in football, and it allows Jonathan Gannon, the D-coordinator, to do so many other things on the back end that your guys up front, your front four, can do the job that they're doing. How about an old friend once again? The reunion tour continues. They're going to be facing Zach Ertz, second all-time in Eagles history in receptions. He's the second most targeted guy on the Cardinals. What do you have to watch out for with Zach Ertz? 
Well, I mean, obviously, we're very familiar with Zach as a player. And if you watch him on film, there's still some good football left in Zach as a tight end. Still shorthanded at times. And like you said, with DeAndre Hopkins being out, he's basically their second leading receiver outside of Marquise Brown. So he's a security blanket. He's a bigger target for Kyler Murray to be able to see. The one thing about Zach, we know he's not going to run away from you. I like our matchup there with our linebackers covering Zach Ertz. They still like to get him the ball in the screen game. He still runs outstanding routes. He catches the ball well, as we know. The guy really understands defenses and where the soft spots are in the defense. So he'll get open. He'll catch balls. And again, be sure to check out Eagles Game Plan. It goes up digitally on Fridays across all Eagles channels. Or if you live in the Philadelphia area, Sunday morning, NBC 10, usually at 10 a.m., but due to the London game here this weekend, 7 a.m. start time for Eagles Game Plan locally on NBC 10 here in Philadelphia. Great stuff from the Eagles Game Plan crew, as always. Thanks to them, and thanks to all of you as well for all of your continued support of this show and all the rest of our podcasts with Eagles Entertainment. That being said, I think that'll do it. Another show in the books here on the Eagle Eye in the Sky podcast for everybody here at the NovaCare Complex. I am Fran Duffy. We will talk to you next week.